0: Good morning. This is the tanya for the 26th of Shvat. Life is always full of challenges, but prayer is the front lines. You open up your prayer book, ready to really focus on the words and connect yourself with God, when suddenly you find yourself somewhere else, planning your son's bar mitzvah, fretting over a bill that's due, or remembering the unpleasant spat you had yesterday with your upstairs neighbor. It's really frustrating. It makes you feel like you don't know how to pray or that you don't take prayers seriously enough. But in truth, it's nothing like that. First of all, let's discuss what to do when these thoughts infiltrate your mind during prayer. Do not pay any attention to them. Immediately redirect your mind away from them. Tell yourself, yes, this is important. I'll take care of the matter when I'm done praying. Now I'm busy. Is it possible to prevent these thoughts from popping into your head to begin with? No, not really. Thoughts arise on their own and it's not possible to stop them. What you can control is whether or not to accept the package that was delivered and open it up. You can choose to delve into the thought that arose out of its own volition or you can choose to return your focus to your prayers. This was just a practical suggestion, but the real issue with disruptive thoughts arising during prayer is not what to do with them, but the frustration and defeat that you feel because of them. At the very moment that you are trying to rise above yourself and connect to a power greater than yourself, suddenly you find your mind wandering and disrupting you. Nevertheless, do not despair. In fact, do the opposite. Refocus all your energy into concentrating on your prayers with gladness. What's there to be joyous about? That your prayers are working. Let's go all the way back to the first chapter of the tiny and reflect on the first revolutionary concept taught by the Al-Zareba. You have two souls and not one. And because of this, you are struggling. Whenever there is a battle between two opposing forces, when one side gathers strength, the other side doubles down and tries even harder. This is exactly what happens to you every time you pray. Praying is the front line of the internal battle between your divine soul and your animal soul. The animal soul is well aware that if you pray well in the morning with focus and concentration, then he is lost for the rest of the day. The rest of the day's battles are not going to end well for the animal soul. Therefore, precisely when you are praying, the animal soul rounds up all of its reserves to confuse and distract you. The very fact that you are experiencing these disturbances indicates that your prayers are very, very important. If your prayers were done by rote or were suboptimal in some other way, your animal soul wouldn't feel threatened and he'd leave you alone. Foreign thoughts popping into your head when you pray indicate that you are doing something right. Don't stop. Continue doing what you had been doing before those thoughts invaded. Your prayers are pure, desirable, and unaffected by the distraction. Have a wonderful day. Good morning. This is the Tanya for the third of Adar. There is no equality in life. Each person ranks somewhere else in the strata, with some people having more and others having less wisdom or social status or wealth or beauty, and the same applies spiritually. No two people are on equal footing in their spiritual state. It's normal to look around and notice your place in comparison to others and sometimes this is even a good thing because it pushes you to try harder and improve. But nevertheless, we need to be very careful when we do this because competition pits people against one another. It splits and separates us from anyone who is not exactly like us. And it, But in truth, no two people are really alike. Arrogance, that feeling that you are better than another person, leads to coldness and indifference to their plight. This is another version of Timtum Halev, of that dull, numb, and unfeeling heart. And this is the precise state of being that we just spent so much effort learning to eradicate. This is a dangerous state to be in for your own spiritual health and relationship with God and for all those around you. In this chapter of the Tanya, the Altaraba presents the correct attitude toward other people that we need to inculcate within ourselves be humble before all people. The intent is not to present a humble facade, but to actually feel that way, that it isn't a show. But how is this possible? If you view life as a hierarchy, then indeed he who stands on the top of the ladder is situated above the people in the rungs below, and it would be very difficult to not look down upon them, judge them, and feel superior to them. But the focus is not on where you are located on the ladder. You've got to look at three other factors. Number one, the overall trend, the direction the person is moving in. Is he progressing or regressing? Number two, how much progress was there? Did he move one step or two steps? And the most significant factor is how much effort was invested in the process. How can you compare a healthy and fit person making a leap and a person with impaired mobility who successfully takes one step? Applying these three factors changes your entire perspective towards others. True humility and empathy are developed through practicing what our sages taught that do not judge a person until you have been in his circumstances. A person is the product of his circumstances. Don't judge anyone based on his dress or even based on his behavior. Perhaps the home environment where he was raised was problematic while you were raised in a warm and loving home. If you had the same difficulties in your life, would you have turned out any better? Perhaps he underwent some tragedy or some trauma while your life has been a lot smoother. If you had experienced the same challenges in your life, would you have reacted any differently? It's possible that he struggles with intense passion and temptation. No one other than him is aware of how much energy he expends just to stay sober and not fall victim to sin. While you are a colder, more somber person who naturally isn't attracted to physical pleasure in the same way, not due to anything you've done, but simply because you were created that way. Comparing yourself with his ability to withstand temptation isn't fair because passion isn't equally distributed. Each person has different inclinations and predispositions. The question you must ask yourself is, do I invest the same energy to overcome my challenges as this person expends in overcoming his challenges? This will bring you to feelings of humility and empathy. The rabbi adds a very important note here. Even if you do face significant challenges in your life and you are a very passionate person and you work in a tough environment that puts you in direct contact with temptation, you have no excuse or justification to sin. You can't apply this non-judgmental approach to yourself. Even someone who is passionate and excitable by nature is expected to reign in his passions and control himself. God knows about all he is doing and his fear of God should be enough to empower him to stand strong. In human beings, the brain is wired to control and direct the heart. This is the natural state that we're born in. Through studying and implementing within yourself the correct mindset, you can learn how to redirect, distract, and overcome the negative habits and traits that have become an ingrained part of yourself. So while we make the effort to be empathetic to the circumstances and challenges facing another person, when it comes to ourself, we have to know that we already possess the capability to stand strong and overcome our struggles. There is another thought to keep in mind before judging another person. To what extent do I push myself beyond my comfort zone in my personal battles? It may be that the person in front of you struggles with very basic things while you haven't given him to temptation for a long while. But do you push yourself to do the good things that you're already doing to the maximum? For example, praying is part of your routine. Do you push yourself to really, really connect with God and mean every word that you are saying? Praying properly is really hard. The time of prayer is literally battle time. The struggle to control your mind from wandering and to be really present in your prayers is a battle just as difficult as controlling yourself from sinning. Before judging others, investigate your prayers the ability to establish a meaningful connection with god begins much earlier even before you pick up that prayer book you need to prepare your animal soul and that is accomplished through studying hasidut connecting your mind to god with god then while you are praying you need to remind yourself about who god is and what exactly the words you are reciting means this takes immense effort can you push yourself to do this every single day or do you cut yourself slack and say what i'm doing is good enough if so how can you judge another person and expect them to engage in a battle with whatever area they are struggling in? Have a wonderful day.